turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. Not talking about partial obedience here. We're talking about someone says, I know him, but never obeys, doesn't care about the word of God, doesn't open up their Bible, doesn't know what the Bible says, isn't interested in knowing what the Bible says, couldn't care any less about obeying God. But that person says, I love Jesus. That person's a liar. You don't love Jesus because if you loved him, you'd keep his commandments. Say, but I don't know his commands. That's why you open your Bible to find out. One might almost say that this is self-evident, but you know, we tend to forget, so we need the reminder. If children love their parents, they will obey their parents. They might not do so in every instance, but they will genuinely desire to be obedient. We, as Christ followers, have a similar, not identical, but very similar relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it can be said that if we love Him, we will obey Him. Obedience is related to trust. Disobedience and distrust are tremendous insults to the honor of our Father. They tell Him that we don't love Him, or we think He doesn't know what He's doing. Because we are weak and prone to wander, we don't always trust and obey. But if our faith is authentic, we will have a genuine desire to always obey our Lord. When we fail, we will feel terrible about it. And that's one of the signs that we have been born again. Welcome to Verse by Verse, We're glad to have you with us today for another radio Bible class. Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff is leading us on a study of faith from Hebrews chapter 11. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now today is the middle portion of Pastor Steve's first of two messages about the heroes of the faith. He began this message in our last class with some introduction and then moved on to a comparison of Abel and his brother Cain. Now this morning's class will continue that comparison and I want to repeat a quote Pastor Steve gave us in the last class to, shall we say, set the stage for our lesson today. It's 1 John 3 verse 11. For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain who was of the evil one and slew his brother, And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Well, let's take our seats and let Pastor Steve begin our class at that point in the lesson. Now, the writer to the Hebrews is saying basically the very same thing. God received Abel's sacrifice because he offered it by faith. In other words, his heart was right with God. It was right with God. Therefore, he did what was right, and therefore, he offered an animal sacrifice. Now, I believe that the blood sacrifice was important, but let me explain to you. Here's where the blood sacrifice comes in. God must have revealed to Cain and Abel what kind of sacrifice he wanted. He must have done that. And why do I say that? Because faith is always based upon God's word always based upon God's revelation. 
You, you can't have faith if you just do something and it feels good to you. It has to be based on the revelation of God. God had to reveal what he wanted in order for Abel to respond in faith. So Abel's sacrifice was better than Cain's because his offering was a demonstration of his faith, which meant that he was obedient to God and Cain was not. So I don't think the issue was just a blood sacrifice. I think the primary issue here was his heart was right with God. And because his heart was right with God, he offered a blood sacrifice. We know from the rest of, of the scriptures that, that it is not the content that God is interested in the sacrifice. It is the attitude of the heart. Because we know that the blood of bulls and of goats cannot take away sin. However, they were to offer a blood sacrifice because it was the attitude of the heart. That's why Genesis 4 says that God had, re, uh, had regard to Abel and his sacrifice. Cain was disobedient and his offering revealed his heart of rebellion. Now, Abel knew what God wanted and he obeyed him. And that's the way of faith. And that's the principle here. If you have faith, you will obey God. You will do what he says. True faith is obedient. One evidence of true faith is a heart that desires to obey God. You cannot say that you love God and you have faith in him, true saving faith, and yet you don't obey him. That's impossible. True saving faith is characterized by obedience. And in fact, this, it's this obedience that demonstrates whether we have faith or not. In fact, as we turn back to Hebrews chapter 11, and look at verse 4 again, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained, watch this, the testimony that he was righteous. In other words, Abel's faith made him righteous in God's sight, even though he was a sinner, and therefore he proved he had genuine faith by his obedience in offering a sacrifice God told him to bring. So what we're saying is somewhere along the, the time of Abel's life, he came to believe in the one true God. He came to genuinely put his trust in the Lord. And because he trusted the Lord, and I don't know all that God revealed to him, I don't know all the details, but because he was a genuine believer, therefore he trusted God and obeyed God on other issues. So he was a true believer. He was a sinner like us, but God credited his account with righteousness, just the same thing that he does to us when we truly put our trust in Jesus Christ alone for our salvation. There is no such thing as faith that doesn't produce godly works of obedience. Jesus said, let's just think about this moment. Let's think about different verses in the Bible. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. That doesn't mean perfection. If that was the case, then no one could ever have any assurance of salvation. But it does mean a desire. It does mean a consistency. It does mean the direction of our lives. 1 John chapter 2, notice this. If you want assurance of your salvation and you wonder, am I really saved or not? Is there evidence in your life? 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 will help you. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. If we obey the one who says, I've come to know him and does not keep his commandments, he's a liar. The truth is not in him. I'm not talking about partial obedience here. We're talking about someone says, I know him, but never obeys, doesn't care about the word of God, doesn't open up their Bible, doesn't know what the Bible says, isn't interested in knowing what the Bible says, couldn't care any less about obeying God. But that person says, I love Jesus. That person's a liar. You don't love Jesus because if you loved him, you'd keep his commandments. Say, so, but I don't know his commandments. That's why you open your Bible to find out. 
How about Ephesians 2, 8, and 9? We, we often turn to Ephesians 2, 8, 9 to speak about salvation by grace, but salvation by grace leads to the evidence of good works in our lives. Verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And we're so grateful for that. Salvation is not dependent on anything I could do. That would be a work salvation that is not taught in the Bible. It is by Jesus Christ alone. He purchased salvation for us. He died in our place. However, the moment I trust Christ as the only way to heaven, something happens in my life. God puts a new nature in my life, and there's new desires and ambitions, and a change. changes come over, come over us. And that's why verse 9 says, not as a result of works that no one should boast. It's not by my works, but verse 10 for we are his workmanship, we are his poem, literally, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Obedience doesn't give us faith, but faith produces obedience. If you really have obedience, God is producing good works through you. If you don't have any good works in you, you have a legitimate right to say, have I really received Christ? Do I really have genuine faith? You don't get to heaven by works but true faith produces works. We could say this, faith works. Faith works. How about the great message that James was portraying? Even Martin Luther didn't understand this. James chapter 2. Martin Luther thought that James was teaching salvation by works, but that's not his point at all. And and Luther really uh, made a serious boo-boo here in his theology. He was so concerned that people would understand salvation is by grace, that he totally misinterpreted James chapter 2. Let's look at it. James 2, verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if a man says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? And the key here is, can that faith, can that kind of faith save him? If someone says to you, I have deep faith, well, where's your works? Can that kind of faith save him? No, because that's not genuine uh, God-produced faith. Verse 17, James chapter 2, verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. A person may profess that he knows Christ, that he has faith, but if he has no works, it's dead faith. It isn't, it isn't true faith. Verse 18, but someone may well say, you have faith and I have works. You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works and I'll show you my faith by my works. This isn't a contradiction between grace This is just saying if you've really been saved by grace, then there'll be a change in your life and you will demonstrate good works. This is no contradiction. Verse 19, you believe that God is one, you do well. The demons also believe and shudder. Someone comes along and says, well, well, I believe. Yeah, but what do you believe? I believe that God just exists. I believe. The Bible says, so what? Even demons believe that. That's just intellectual knowledge. That's all. That's all. Just a head knowledge that God exists. Even demons believe that, but they certainly don't produce good works. Verse 20, but are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, speaking of the fellow who says uh, just God is one, that faith without works is useless, it's worthless. Why? Because it's, it's not true, genuine faith. And then he speaks of Abraham. In verse 21, was not Abraham our father justified by works? Say, wait a minute, Abraham was justified by faith. That's right, as far as salvation is concerned, but he's using the term justified here in the sense of proving it to people. Abraham proved that he was a saved man by his works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar. You see, his faith was working with his uh, works 
and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. A number of years, many years after Abraham came to believe in God, God called him to sacrifice his son. This was not right away. And Abraham was willing to faithfully obey God. And God said, you don't have to do it. I just wanted to see if you were willing to do that. And what what did that show? That showed that Abraham really genuinely had faith and was willing to do anything that God wanted. Abraham's demonstration of faith when he proved himself willing to sacrifice his own son may be the greatest example of faith there ever was. At any rate, it was an extreme example. Yet, we often face situations requiring faith as well. God may be asking you to give something to Him. Maybe He's asking you to teach a class, to go on a missions trip, or to increase your giving, or maybe any number of things. You know in your heart that He wants you to do it, but you hesitate because of the danger or the cost. Perhaps the Lord will use Abraham's amazing example of faith to help us to trust and obey God in all things. We're going to take a short break here to introduce ourselves to those who have just tuned in. You're listening to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been ministering since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse Ministries is an expansion of this teaching ministry. We're spending a few days looking at faith as described in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. Today is the middle third of Pastor Steve's three-part message on the heroes of the faith. Many of the heroes of the faith became martyrs. Abel was the first of many. Why was he obedient even though it finally cost him his life? Why are so many people today faithful in the face of violent persecution? Is it to be assured of salvation? Certainly not. Here's Pastor Steve now. He'll explain further before continuing on to our next hero of the faith. I want you to realize that faithful obedience to God is not an easy road. It'll lead to suffering. And in Abel's case, as we go back to Hebrews 11, it actually led to his death. That's really what the Hebrews needed to hear, because some of them would be facing martyrdom too. Verse 4, the end of it says that though he is dead, he still speaks. Abel was the first martyr of the faith, but even though he was martyred, He still speaks to us today about the importance of faith. His testimony lives on. We are to be like Abel. We are to learn a lesson from Abel and that true faith obeys God even if it costs us our lives. If you have true faith, then you will be obedient to God. That is the basic lesson here. You'll do what's right regardless of the consequences. In fact, don't even think about the consequences. Once you start thinking about the consequences, you're spiritually paralyzed. You'll you'll not obey. You have to just do what's right. The question is, do you have that kind of faith? If you don't have a desire to obey, then you don't have that kind of faith. You need to have a desire to obey. Why? Not to get to heaven, but just because you want to obey, because God said to do it. And then you will tough it out, even if you are ridiculed and mocked and looked down upon. So the first lesson we learn is that faith is obedient. There's a second lesson we learn, and that is from Enoch, that faith gets rewarded. Verse 5. Faith gets rewarded. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. For he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained a witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. The second hero of faith is the ancient Bible character Enoch. 
think the Genesis calls him the seventh from Adam. And the only mention of Enoch in the Old Testament is found in Genesis chapter 5. So let's turn there. Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. This, by the way, is a chapter dealing with death. So-and-so died, the, the, the Moses said, and so-and-so, uh, so-and-so lived rather, and so-and-so died. This one lived, and this one lived for many years. And by the way, they, they lived many years longer than we did back then, and that has to do with the way the earth was made. And, and I'm sure uh, scientists uh, who believe the Bible can explain things about that. And there must have been a canopy over the earth cutting out some, some of the harmful rays from the sun and things like that. So, uh, and also sin had not had the time to penetrate mankind uh, in the genes like it does today, and so they live many years. But regardless of that, we see that this person lived and this person died until you come to Enoch, verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him home. This is a fascinating statement. In a chapter that emphasizes death, Enoch had the unique experience of not dying. The only other man in the Bible we know who did not die was Elijah. After the birth of his son, Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And the implication seems to be that that looking at that little baby, who grew up to be quite an ancient man, but looking at that little baby did something in his heart. And maybe he realized his responsibility to get right with God, and, and that seems to be the case. And But finally, God took him. He did not die, which means that God removed him from this life, and he transferred him supernaturally into his presence. And we aren't told the extraordinary details of this event in Genesis. However, the writer to the Hebrews tells us why Enoch was translated or transferred to God's presence without tasting death. He writes, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. In other words, it was Enoch's faith that pleased God, and therefore God rewarded him by taking him to heaven and bypassing death. That's very, very interesting. I don't know if you see the contrast here, but it tells us something important about faith. Contrast between Abel and Enoch. They both had faith, but one died a violent death because of his faith and righteous character. And the other actually bypassed death because of his faith and righteous character. But what does that tell us about faith? God has a unique plan for every one of us. You can't put faith in a little box and say, if you have faith, you'll avoid problems. If you have faith, you'll avoid conflicts. Our faith doesn't protect us from difficulties. In fact, sometimes our faith invites difficulties. And that's what happened in in Abel's case. However, God always, and here's the principle, God always rewards his faithful ones. It may not be in this life, but the reward will come because there is always a future for God's people. And I think that's the real reason why God took Enoch home apart from death, to teach us that faith gets rewarded. He didn't have to do this. He doesn't normally do this. It's appointed unto people to die. Normally people die. These are, this is a unique exception. But I think it teaches us that faith gets rewarded. And after all, isn't this the whole point of the writer, what he is saying to the Hebrews? If you'll turn back to, uh, to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. 
Therefore, he says, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. Don't turn your back on Christ. Verse 36, you have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you may yet receive what was promised. I mean, isn't that the same? Isn't that the point here? In other words, hang in there. You have a future reward coming. So don't uh, walk away from God. Walk with God like Enoch. Walk with him. And you'll receive those promises he has for you, those eternal rewards and the blessings of glory. I think that's the whole point. Faith gets rewarded. You probably will not bypass death unless we are the generation to be raptured. However, the point is, is that we are to walk with God like Enoch did, and God will reward us, whether he chooses that we bypass death or not. So Enoch illustrates that God is a rewarder of those who please him. And the only way to please him is what? By faith. Therefore, we come to verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. Nothing we do apart from faith pleases God. Nothing we do apart from faith pleases God. But what kind of faith pleases God? The kind of faith that Enoch had. Number one, you have to believe that God exists. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Now, a lot of people look at that and say, well, I believe God is. I believe he exists. It's not simply believing he exists. It's believing he exists as who he revealed himself to be. You see, there are some people who, who believe anything they want about God. They create things in their minds about God. When you speak to them about the God of the Bible, they say, oh, my God is not like that. And they're absolutely right. Their God is not like that because they have invented a God that does not exist, the God of their own imaginations. This verse does not mean that we can believe anything we want about God, call it belief in God's existence. No, to believe that he is means to believe in the true God, to believe in the God of the scriptures, the God who has revealed himself, and not some blasphemous concept we create in our minds and call it God. So you have to understand that. It isn't just a belief in a supreme being. It is belief in the God of the scriptures. That is the only God. Secondly, it's not enough to believe in the God, that the God of the Bible exists because we saw before that the demons also believe this. They Listen, they have good theology. They believe in the one true God. They know of the one true God. But true faith believes that God rewards those who seek him. And what does that mean? It's not enough to believe God exists. We must also believe that God is morally righteous to keep his promises. That God's character is such that he keeps his word. That he rewards those who walk with him. And that's what he did with Enoch. Those who diligently seek him, he rewards. It isn't that God just exists, but that he rewards. And that's why, that's why we persevere. We know that God keeps his word, and that's what Enoch did. That is precisely what he'll do with every one of, uh, of us. We may not escape death now, but we will all receive and experience the wonderful blessings that God has prepared for us after this life. Wow. If that was the conclusion of Pastor Steve's message, it would be a good one. But there is more encouragement yet to come, and some challenges too. He's not finished, but time is running out. So far, we've learned that faith is obedience, and faith is rewarded. In our next class, we'll learn another important principle of faith. Faith operates in spite of obstacles. So you'll want to be with us next time for the conclusion of this encouraging lesson about faith. You have been listening to Verse by Verse, 
Pastor teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our teacher. Pastor Steve's clear expository teaching, which began over 25 years ago, has expanded to include this daily radio program and verse-by-verse ministries. We are a faith ministry which depends on the prayers and gifts of interested listeners who have first been supportive of their local church. If you would like more information or if you would like to listen to today's broadcast again, please visit our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download the audio of today's program. We also have an archive page so you can access previous classes. Perhaps you'd like to have each program so you can listen to it anytime on your MP3 player. If so, we have a free podcasting service. Another free feature is our complimentary newsletter. You'll find a link on the site where you can sign up for that as well. The site is versebyverseradio.org. Now, sometimes it's nicer to hear the entire message at one time. We have audio CDs and cassettes available. Just call us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a number and we'll return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-239-0306. Please join us again for our next class as we look at a man who was faithful for hundreds of years, despite ridicule and resistance from the world around him. Until then, may the Lord encourage you and me to always be faithful in every situation. We are here to give you strength between...